Hello, Jada. He doesn't say hello. What are you already saying? Hello. I know, but I want to do the. I want to do the like you know that mattress mix thing, isn't it? Hello. It's my it's my calls then. Jada, Vulture Rove, picture camera, life risk scanning the heron. Sponsored by Hang Sandwich. Funny, funny Irish t-shirts. Quality apparel, fast delivery. Find them at Hang Sandwich, H-A-N-G, sandwich.com. Hi guys, welcome to a Nulling Nostalgia episode. And this... Mm, how did that... Wait, are chestnuts are roasting on an open fire? Your chestnuts are roasting? They're somewhere, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we're doing a Nulling Nostalgia. So we decided we'd go off-paste. Uh, get it? Snow. I like that. Nice. We go off pace and we would actually review Home Alone because every Irish person has seen this film, right? Yeah. Yeah. Quite quite a lot of people of a certain age have seen this, no matter where they're from, I'd say. This is is one of the truly global, universal films. And they... uh, Ironically, it was made by 20th Century Fox, but we'll say nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And um, do I need to go into the plot details here? Uh, Title is pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? Yeah, Kevin McAllister... A little jerk was left home alone when he wished his parents weren't there. And uh, these, the wet bandits come in and uh, try and steal all their stuff from worldly the possessions, do they? They're trying to get them, are they? Trying to get them. Trying to get all the worldly possessions. Um, this week I've got with me, as usual, James McAnaspey, podcaster, YouTuber, host of Ecumenical Matters, the Father Ted podcast. James? Indeed, yes. So you can uh, just search for Father Ted podcast in your usual podcast places. Uh, yeah, so we uh, we watched, of course, Michael Collins for the last last recording we did. I think we must have stayed subconsciously in the idea of guerrilla warfare because uh, I think Kevin McAllister is one of the greatest guerrilla warfare, <laughs> warfare uh, masterminds the planet's ever seen. We'll find out later if uh, Kevin McAllister's in the RA. Um, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. And uh, William, we've got William Devine here, head designer at hangsandwich.com. Also, what else are you? Uh, I am the sharp glass that you step on at night when, you, when you're least expecting it with bare feet. Very nice. Nolik shown a ditch. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, gonna make it. Um, Are you having a nice Christmas? Yes, I'm loving it so far. I've got the schlur out and the family circle biscuits out, you know. Even got some of that uh, tato, turkey and ham tato, you know. The tato that they stole down south and only started promoting this week. We've had this... Uh, the this Nardy Tato uh, Christmas special for a long time. Gold packets, don't you know? Because it's fancy for Christmas. I've never seen those in my entire life. You obviously haven't been to B&M bargains. I must make a beeline towards B&M. <laughs> <laughs> they get your turkey and ham and stuff and crisps. So this week we're doing Home Alone. So we're not Home Alone. We're together. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're not having those Zoom call interruptions. Our interruptions are just pure rudeness. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So Home Alone premiered on November the 10th, 1990. It was set in Chicago. The film actually had a budget of $18 million, which I thought was quite low. Um, but the box office made $476.7 million. This movie definitely made Macaulay Culkin a star. Yeah, a lot of money. That was an amazing cap- return on capital employed. Like, what did you say it was made for? Eighteen. $18 million. So it, I made 470, did you say? Yeah. So it made about 20 times its budget. I don't think any real films do that anymore, do they? Well, yeah. see, the, budgets are, the budgets are so huge now. Like, all the Marvel movies are being made for like 500 million. 
over a billion now. So it's like, where's yeah. the room for the profit margin at that point? Yeah. I think even then too, the advertising wouldn't have had to be half as big as it is now, you know? Spend ways. Yeah, you just literally spend to get the trailer and, and yeah. start a cinema productions. Yeah, well, do you know the concept of Home Alone was when John Hughes, the writer, was going away on holidays and made a list of everything he didn't want to forget. He thought, well, better not forget my kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing he wanted to forget. <laughs> kids for once. Yeah, and then he thought that uh, children were more, the most scared of robbers coming into their house. It's funny, it's, it's a good thing his kids weren't like two years younger, or else it would be monsters on the bed and would have... Kevin McAllister like beating up monsters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he could have made Monsters Inc. Yeah, well, possibly, yeah. yeah. We're going to mix it up again for this episode, so I think we're going to go and see Sir Kevin. Kevin, how's it going? Oh, hello, Marty. <laughs> Kevin Spacey here. Yeah, I'm reading, of course, my 2002 Time Out Film Guide. Your biography? My biography. After planes, trains and automobiles, writer-producer John Hughes turns once more to the nightmare of travel, this time from a child's perspective. Set to spend Christmas in Paris with parents and assorted relatives, young Kevin wishes everyone would just disappear, a desire granted when he is accidentally left behind by his preoccupied parents. But the novelty starts to wear off when a couple of burglars, uh, Stern and Pesci, excellent, target the house. Hughes confidently mixes the elements of precocious self-awareness with the childlike wonderment. The boy truly believes his dream has become manifest, so he gorges on junk food and television until the reality of the situation brings loneliness and fear. Broader in humour, however, with an inconsistency of mood not helped by an abrupt editing and Columbus's sometimes self-conscious direction, Home Alone lacks the sustained tension of the earlier film. What earlier film? It plays trains and automobiles. Ah. Well, Kevin, like you're really down in the movies that we're record- we're doing the reviews on. I know anytime Kevin has a, an input, it always seems to be very harsh. Now, this is where I got <laughs> most of my knowledge of film from, was just going through this book and trying to watch it. So is this why you're so snarky? Um, I'm coming to that conclusion, yeah. This is probably exactly why I'm a fucking unbearable snarky. <laughs> <laughs> Stop reading that propaganda, would you? I know, I know. You need to, I always think when you watch a film, you need to watch it and enjoy it, you know? Or you don't have to enjoy it, but you need to watch it with an open mind. With, with the intention of enjoying it. Yes, yeah. yes. Thanks, Kevin. Oh, thank you very much, Marty. I'll be uh, back again with my come to bed eyes. <laughs> Are you going to be the US president anytime soon? Uh, keep an eye on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will. <laughs> so um, this week, what were you researching? I researched, as always, the actors, you know. Actors. Um, actors. And the, actresses. The trip. Well, I counted. I don't see any difference between males and females, Marty, you know. Okay. I'm very PC. Do you know who the star of this film is? Normally I don't get to see the film. And I actually can say I've watched this film this time. Oh, how many times have you seen Home Alone? Maybe about six. Only six times? I would say about six times. I don't spend my time watching TV and movies. Alright, I think I've seen Home Alone probably about... I've definitely said it about 15 times, I'd say. Yeah, probably at least 20 odd months. But it's better now, you realise? Now if you leave it for if you leave it for about three or four years before you watch it again... You get a bigger laugh when you see the things that happen, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because if you watch it every year, you're kind of desensitised <laughs> to, the <right> <laughs> to, to the pain, the of the film. Yeah, so yeah. who's the main star of this movie? Uh, so Macaulay, Macaulay Carson Culkin, mm. might say that. It's a very to say that. Macaulay Carson Culkin. Uh, he is Kevin McAllister. I was looking up, he has actually paid $100,000 for this film. That's a lot of money. 
It is. Uh, his first film was Uncle Buck with John Candy. That yeah, yeah. Very yeah. grand he got for that. But after this film here, he done My Girl and got a million pounds straight away. Then Home Alone 2, four and a half million. My, so, my Girl's actually a good movie. Like, my Girl is. Uh, Th- I think J. I've only seen that once, maybe twice. Last time I cried was when Thomas J died. Aww. <laughs> he was allergic to bees. He was. Do you know what? He was allergic to everything. And you know what? I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to get into the capitalist structure here of America because this podcast has turned it into something <laughs> like this. But like maybe <laughs> maybe if they didn't increase the price of EpiPen so much, that guy would have lived. Touche, uh, Marty. Touche. Uh, Marty believes in the, the proletariat podcasting. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, Macaulay Culkin. Uh, so Macaulay Culkin, uh, one of the most famous American child actors. Uh, he was born in August 26, 1980, so he was 10 when this came out. His family, all are actors. Uh, his father is Kit Culkin. He's a former stage child actor himself. All his brothers and sisters, Shane, Dakota, Kieran, Quinn, Christian, and Rory. Never heard of any of them. Have they been in anything? Rory Culkin's got a, got a slight career. Kieran, is it, was, did you mention Kieran there? Uh, Kieran, yeah. Uh, Kieran, uh, Kieran Culkin's a really good actor. Uh, he was in um, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Ah, yeah. Watched yeah. that. And then another film called Iggy Goes Down. Iggy Goes Down, I really yeah. like. It's one Claire Danes on it. Yeah. And Jack Oldham. Uh, it's very good, very good. I actually always thought that was Macaulay Culkin in that. But... That's offensive. Not <laughs> all Culkins look the same. You know? <laughs> he done Uncle Buck when he was nine, and there's a scene in that film where he's interrogating the babysitter. Then through he, the ladder box. Yeah, so they kind of they took that there scene. I thought Hughes wanted him for this here. Christopher Columbus saw him first, but he wasn't too sure and still um, interviewed another 100 kids and said, no, nah, they weren't as good as him, so they took him on. They really determined not to hire him by the sense of things. So, yeah, we all know after this, they done Richie Rich and stuff like that. 8 million for Richie Rich, by the way. I think he was, what, 14 or something? Uh, he said, he said, he was asked when he was doing this film, when he was uh, on the junket for it, um, what kind of... Uh, Allowance he gets, and he doesn't even get an allowance, so can he get that money, is hey? Did he not divorce his parents? No, was that Frank? That was Frankie Muniz, was it that? No, I, I heard that he had an annulment from his he parents. Had, he had something, but there was a thing in the early 2000s, he said his family were going to go bankrupt because they lost, they weren't allowed his bank account. Lost power of attorney. Lost power, aye, so, but yeah, sure, everybody knows Macaulay Culkin in this film, as brilliant. Uh, the other actors, Obviously, Harry and Marv, the other two main characters. They were, uh, as as Kevin said, uh, said Kevin said they were brilliant. Like the physical humor that uh, that they had to portray. Well, number one to to pretend, uh, present the injuries, uh, and number two just <laughs> their, their madcap, like sort of. Uh, yeah, it was like cartoonish. Yeah. Cartoonish, exactly. Um, yeah. I did. I was looking up about this, and it's all uh, Joe Pesci's obviously um, Harry and Dino Sturm's Marv. Um, at the time when they were filming it, they'd actually never thought this film was going to be that good during filming. So they gave over top performances because they didn't really think anybody was going to see it. Right. Um, so what, they're trying to dare each other? Uh, they're kind of daring each other to go over the top bigger and bigger all the time. Nice. And it turned out it worked out brilliant for the film because obviously it's a children's film. Yeah. It is like a cartoon. It's basically like watching Tom and Jerry and you hear those big, like, <laughs> massive screams, like, gutter, yeah. gutter, kind of, from their stomach screams. Well, when the spider goes on his face and that scream. Yeah. 
<laughs> Imagine if someone actually put a tarantula on your face. Like, you would fucking go crazy. The leg goes in his mouth a wee So Joe Pesci, Joe Pesci's one of the best actors ever, you know? In the same year as he filmed this, he also uh, filmed uh, Goodfellas. Yeah. And uh, what she won an Oscar for playing Tommy, or Tommy DeVito. This was his golden era. This was, uh, he had a golden era up to about 98 and then he just stopped making films for 10 years. Yeah. He was brilliant. He was in Raging Bull, <laughs> Once Upon a Time in America. Good friends with Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro was offered the part of uh, Harry in this. His full name was given as Harry Lyme, which I didn't really know. But, but Robert De Niro as the other role, I don't know, I don't know if that would worked. He is a good comedic actor, but I was there and just had some. No, it was Robert De Niro was going to play the Joe oh. Pesci's character. Oh right, okay, right. So it might have kind of worked for that, but uh, Joe Pesci was brilliant on it. Yeah, he did Robert see. De Niro was probably sick of playing gangsters at that point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the thing is, like, does Joe Pesci does he have any starring roles in anything? Oh, you mean you think he's just a sporting actor? Yeah. Uh, he does play a sporting actor, right? But um, he's more of a character actor than the yeah. man. That's why though. My cousin Vinny, obviously, was the main star in it. Was he actually Vinny? Yeah. I did not know that. After he'd done My Cousin Vinny, he recorded an album as Vinny Gambino and put out the, the album. Hey, you got to love that card. It actually done quite well in like four or five countries in Europe. It came in the top ten. Nice. Yeah, so... Crazy. I yeah. Uh, the other actor who plays as Marv is Daniel Stern. Uh, he's brilliant in this. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Like, I never. Like I, I seem to think I recognise his face, but I don't know what else he's been in. Uh, Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2, yeah. He was in uh, Celtic Pride with Dan Aykroyd, which is quite good. Martin Wines is in that place, a basketball player from the Utah Jazz, and they're Boston Celtic fans, and they kidnap him one night that they're drunk because they, they're sick of getting bought in Celtic, getting beat. And they right. try to keep him for three days until the match is over. It's, it's I actually want to watch that now, so yeah, no more spoilers. Yeah, it's quite good. Um, he's he's, uh, he's done a lot of voice acting. Well, I was about to just have a big tip it there. Yeah, going ahead. He was the voice actor in The Wonder Years, like whenever the narration comes. Yeah. In The Wonder he's Years, it's his voice. Kevin Arnold. Yeah. The grown-up Kevin Arnold. Ah. Uh, he was also in The Substance as a voice actor. He's a narrator in the Three Men, the comic book episode. I uh, well, that was a parody of that. Uh, was I think it's something else in The Substance. Uh, sure, I couldn't find it. I didn't see it on but he was in Rookie of the Year, City Slickers, of course, and City Slicker 2, The Search for Curdy's Gold. <laughs> I hate City Slickers. I like the first City Slickers. Why I've had it in tape, he taped it off the TV and was watching it, and I was sick of looking at it. Uh, I like the first one, alright. See, I don't think 80s comedies hold up that well. I think most 80s comedies are pure shit. Well, what, what kind of ones are we talking about here? Well, Airplane, I didn't really like. Uh, those Steve Martin ones. I think Airplane's terrible, but everyone seems to love it. Yeah. Airplane, I think Airplane's alright. It's just more about like kind. It's kind of like a series of sketches, I think. But, but still, the Steve Martin ones I do like. Now. I like the Man of Two Brains. Interestingly, in the uh, Irish News yesterday, an article was published about how we should stop revering these terrible movies, such as Hocus Pocus, for example. Like, why have they got such cult status when they're terrible? What's terrible with them? Like, well, that's what the Irish news doesn't think they're that good. But, well, what you said to me earlier about you should just be enjoying the movies. People are enjoying that movie. Like yeah. that, that movie made, made me jump out of my skin. Like, cause nothing hasn't let me forget about it since. Like, <laughs> when we watched it first, like it, it, you know, it was just a fun movie to watch when you're yeah when you're a kid at Halloween. Yeah, that's good. Plus, it's like it's uh, it's not really that scary. 
Now, there's a film being remade that's, that's funny because obviously this is the um, Nulling Nostalgia. Well, I was going to bring this up actually. The Witches so, remade? This film has been remade. Yeah, this one. Home Alone been. has been remade and also The Witches has been remade, has been remade already and it's on HBO at the minute. And it's Anne Halfway is the lead witch, but it's partly terrible. Yeah, the, the original Witches actually did scare me when I was wee. Really? Yeah, I don't know what it was. It just the, I think it's um, which just, just the witches were scary, you know? Because I just assumed everybody was going to kill me as a kid, anyway, you know? <laughs> and Jonathan <laughs> Houston was going to come and kill you. That's what, yeah. what happens when you grow up in, uh, in the clutches of an empire. Uh, <laughs> 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 we're getting back, he's getting back. <laughs> Still right. Um, the other actors in it, the Catherine, Catherine um, O'Hara, so Catherine O'Hara's in it. Right. Yeah, she plays Kate McAllister. I know that, her. That forgets her own child. She literally forgets her own child. What a terrible, terrible, terrible mother. Well, she she says that she has a terrible mother herself. Yeah, she's well, very guilty yeah. throughout the movie. She should be guilty. <laughs> but she's like a she's a comedy actress, really, isn't she? Uh, she was um. She's like, an improv artist. Her big TV show that she was in was uh, SCTV, which is Second City Television, Second which is like a an improv, improv kind of like sketch show, basically like Saturday Night Live, but a Canadian one. From the whole series, is from the started series to the end. She did it. She didn't do every show, but she was in every. She was basically in every season and everything, and she done it with John Candy. Mm. That's why John Candy's in this as well, uh, with her. Every scene that he's in, he shares it with her, because they're both friends. And uh, Every line John Candy does in this is improvised. Uh, I was starting to think that this evening, when I was watching them in the van. Especially that scene about what happened to when they left the funeral What it uh, sort of tipped me off to it is because he kept going a step further and a step further uh, to make yeah. the actual scenario worse like so he and was he kept, there all day yeah. all day and he kept looking empty like this here because he was obviously trying to get her to laugh yeah. and she was looking down so she wouldn't look at him because she wouldn't laugh <laughs> and I said I think we should stop talking about this uh, <laughs> <laughs> because where is that going to go yeah so obviously you know her Marty what do you know her from well I know her from Shits Creek and I would like to say right that I was one of the early adopters of Shits Creek I don't like Shits Creek still this day, Marty, so you can have it. But she is brilliant in it. She, she is a brilliant comedy actress. She's so memeable in that show. Yeah. Where is the baby? <laughs> she is just completely memeable. And I think that's why the show grow, grew so much. And if it wasn't on that their Canadian show, Canadian Network or whatever, you think it would have been completely cancelled. Uh, maybe yeah. I, Was it Eugene Levy? Is, uh, they're friends as well, apparently. Uh, I think they don't, from they don't Second City as well. But yeah. Eugene Levy was like the best thing in the American Pie movies, like. Yeah. But she she's been in like things, uh, like Best in Show and. For your consideration. Yeah, so those are all like movies like Spinal Tap that were just mockumentaries, yeah. and uh, again, most of it's improvised because because the format necessarily has to be like it's hard to script a docu- a mockumentary. Well, actually, when I was watching Shit's Creek, and I was going, I recognise her face from somewhere. I'm like, what? Who is she? Who is she? Because she's so done up in that, like, ridiculously done up. Yeah. And um, I was like, fuck, she's the mother from Home Alone. And I couldn't believe it. And I had to look at the picture and go, what? You had to wait till she said, So she's also in Beetlejuice with uh, Tim Burton film. She is also in Nightmare Before Christmas. So she could be in two of the best Christmas films ever. So Home Alone, the night before Christmas. Potentially, that'll be next year's Nolan Nostalgia. Yeah, so she's not the only other. There's a couple of other people, so I can run you through. The man, old man Marley. Now he's got. I have to say, he's got some amount of credits to his name. 
like good films. I don't recognize him at all. Do you not? No. I did kind of recognize him from a few things. Um, he his name is Roberts Blossom. Right. right. <laughs> he was in Home Alone Theater, Escape from Alcatraz, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Death Falls, Doc Holiday, The Last Temptation of Christ, and the Stephen King film Christine. So he's been in quite good films, you know. I've only seen like two of those, and I don't remember them. From... Escape from Alcatraz. Yeah, so I don't remember him that. But uh, yeah. it's just like a old and mid telling him, you know. It's like get escape Alcatraz. Is that where he had the body? Yeah. You can get away with it if you put it in the salt and spread it. <laughs> <laughs> so right. the scene on TV at the minute is uh, Kate McAllister saying, I think I've forgotten someone. Wait till you check my credit card. Uh, is it my credit card? Is it my bag? And then, oh no, while well, you're sitting in your first class seats while your children is in coach, you <laughs> left your son in the fucking attic. Locked <laughs> <laughs> away, we didn't even see him. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't feed him in the morning. <laughs> yeah, they threw you a bucket of fish guts. <laughs> Actually, probably um, the father. The uh, father looks very familiar to me as well. Yeah, yeah, at the time he was probably probably one of the most famous people other than maybe John Candy in it. He was probably going to be known as going to be a big actor, but it just never happened to him. He was in Big. He was like the the nemesis in Big, you know, the boy that wanted to be the boss's favourite. Right. But other than that, he never really, he's been in a lot, a lot of things. Heard, you call him? John Heard. Mm. He was in the first season of Sopranos, but... Uh, important character you think these actors you know just because they're not on billboards every yeah. two months means that they're failing they're not necessarily they're probably just in smaller projects or in theater yeah but at the end of the day you know you don't need to be making 80 million a year to be have a nice yeah. life you know what i mean i mean like he's only... making 100 200 thousand a year from his films like that's great yes uh, yeah exactly you, you bought your house within five years and then you're set yeah um, well that's a yeah Daniel Stern and this. He wanted to do this film. They wanted him to film it for eight weeks. He signed up to do it for six weeks. And they said, oh, we need you for two more before the film started. He goes, no, I'm not doing it. So he pulled out and they got a man that almost looked exactly the same as him to play the part. He said, okay. And they went and done the scenes and they done it with Joe Pesci and the chemistry wasn't there. So they said, nah, no, we don't get it. And at the end of the director and everything given to the producers, um, uh, the film that's called Robag. But he was still paid enough to buy a house for being there for like two days working with Joe Pesci. Oh, the other guy, the, the, the stand yeah. yeah, the stand So, yeah, see, the, they're turning over big money when they get a project like this. Like, you're, yeah, if you talk at least six figures for everyone here, Joe Pesci probably could have got a seven figure number, uh, number for this thing. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> this, ro- this robot guy that was a stand in for him for two days bought a house. <laughs> so you do. Yeah. We were talking about earlier on, John Candy. What's his character's name? Do you know, Micah? Yeah. Gus Polanski. Too slow, hey? But you know... He's he, the, he's the he, Poker King? Yeah, he's the Poker King. And Micah is... He's got hits all over uh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you're well known. To, you're a big fan of his band, which is called... The Kenosha Kickers. Yes. You, you love them, don't you? Poker, poker, poker. Poker twist. <laughs> <laughs> um, it says that uh, I've got a wee bit of info for this. John Candy played the role of Gus Polanski as a favour to John Hughes and was paid scale, the Screen Actors Guild minimum wage. Uh, the character was inspired by real life Jan Poker King Loon, who lived in Pennsylvania and whose poker band really did do tours around the world. Candy or Candy improvised all of his lines. You know the character of uh, Uncle Frank. He goes, look what you did, you little jack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was actually written for Kelsey Grammer, who didn't do it. 
I can actually see him doing that part. Yeah. Uh, your man played really well, especially yeah. when the the other plane and she just realised that there's something behind. Goes, I know how you feel. I forgot my reading glasses. <laughs> I like the, I actually like the time that he pulls his chair back and puts his son against the wall. <laughs> and he doesn't move the chair, and he's just sitting there with his face squashed. But what a wee point, actor! The both of their children are just wee gawks, like <laughs> gawks. Yeah, she's morning. We're pulling the kid. Five-year-old man. Uh, yeah, it's actually quite good. He's portrayed as a bit of a cheapskate and all, because. He doesn't want to pay for the pizza, and then he, he's trying to get her to put the the, the cutlery and the crystalware oh, yeah. in the your purse. Thanks very much, thanks very much. Welcome back to Chatting Pictures, the Irish Film Review, sponsored by Hang Sandwich. Punny, funny, Irish t-shirts. Quality apparel, fast delivery. Find them at Hang Sandwich, H-A-N-G, sandwich.com. And this is our Nullug Nostalgia. So we're doing Home Alone. Took a short break there. No, we didn't. Uh, <laughs> well, you have to portray a sense of professionalism. These people don't know we're uh, just a bunch of teachers. Drunken <laughs> rapper bits, if you will. Um, yeah, so what did everyone think of the film? I'm going to go... Yeah, I'm going to go to Maka first today. James, it's all about you today because you're normally a snarky wee cunt. I well yeah I, I do admit I, I can't help it I'm, I'm just I'm just a fucking snark and I, I really have been trying to stop being on the last couple of years because uh, I know how tiresome it is being around snarky people all the time so yes uh, I, I did actually really enjoy this movie I did see you laugh yeah. we were laughing a little bit in the room here when we were watching it well I've never I've never had bad feelings towards this movie like the song the music and the score uh, by John Williams like I genuinely do listen to you know, I put it into playlists and stuff, and uh, I've just listened to scores like, and like it is funny, as I say, it's memorable. Need to get into the sort of uh, uh, the. <laughs> well, we're not supposed to get into the politics. We need to get into the fucking politics. This. <laughs> we need to get into the politics. Of this. Can I just say, is Macaulay Culkin wearing an iron sweater there, or what? Uh, keep, that, keep that for the iron sweater. Yes. <laughs> keep note of that. Um, what about the writer and producer Macaulay? Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Matthew, can you tell us a little bit more about the writer and producer? Uh, yeah, so this is uh, by John Hughes, uh, who wrote and produced the, the movie. Uh, he is an extre- extremely famous writer. Uh, I mean, he's very successful. He's written things like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Breakfast Club, Miracle on 34th Street, Baby's Day Out, which is a, a classic in the same vein as Home Alone. I have seen that. I've was. I got that from the video shop, and they were all laughing at me for getting Baby's Day Out from the video shop in Newton's Stewart, but I wanted it, so I got it. And uh, did you just watch it and never love it? Well, I liked it, but I don't know about anyone else liked it. I liked it alright. It's a bit over the top, you know, it's a bit too produced, but that's good. No, well, it wasn't just another cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Cartoon it's basically the cartoon from the start of Roger Rabbit, yeah. but on a little big scale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he did the Dennis the Menace movie, remember that? The, the I movie. do remember that. Christopher Lloyd was brilliant in that. I have seen Dennis the Menace movie. Mr. Wilson. Yeah, you know the American Dennis? It's just Dennis. Yes, yes, uh, yes. And then Uncle Buck and Beetle. Beethoven, yeah, yeah. that was a class film yeah, there. So Did they live in the same house in Beethoven as they do in this? Because the houses look very similar. No, everyone in America lives in America. That's what, uh, that's what the council house they live in there. As far uh, as... Far as <laughs> if Father of the Bride and these kind of movies are really to go by. Yeah, so that list that I just rhymed off there, like that, those are all movies that are universally beloved. Like. The director was Chris Columbus. For some reason I've written Scrab there and I don't, can't remember why I've written <laughs> <laughs> Scrab, Scrab, Scrab. 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 Was it someone different, Chris Columbus? 
Uh, the two cross colonists. Uh, it might have been the one that enslaved the native of uh, the the uh, North American subcontinent. <laughs> <laughs> I might have a scrab on him. But <laughs> oh yes, uh, scrab. He directed Harry Potter, the first Harry Potter movie. So first, the first two was it? Or? The first two, yeah. Movie, yeah. Uh, so he set the visuals for the entire Harry Potter series um, and got John Williams on board, so he got the theme tune that everyone loves. But do you remember when they were first making those Harry Potter movies? Newsround on BBC uh, Kids News. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're looking for Harry Potter. They were looking for, they were putting out an open audition for Harry Potter. Did you attend? Uh, well, unfortunately, uh, I was 12, so I was too old and I didn't know the books. <coughs> Probably wasn't able to, uh, to go for it. Uh, but having done all that, they then just hired like the producer's nephew or something to play Harry Potter, as far as I remember. Yeah, isn't this similar to this because he looked at a hundred year older kids that he departed and still went back to the first one. Well, it turned out to be a brilliant marketing campaign, which I think they they, did, yeah. they figured out for the Star Wars when they did that. Why did you act in Star Wars? And then they got the kid from Attack the Block to be the main character. Like it was yeah. like, but uh, yeah, that was scrap. That's actually pretty low end scrap. Uh, oh. I wouldn't even copy the answer that one. I just. Uh, so he's doing a lot of producing the last uh, 15 years. He's written, the or he's directed Rent, the, the movie. Uh, so have you watched it? I'm not, don't love it, like. I haven't seen it, so. There's I... some good songs in it, but that there, that's a prime example of how a musical is terrible. So to get rid of it, they just, it, I think it won Best Book at the Tony Awards without a book. Right, okay. Because it actually, it's just sung the way through. Because the story was terrible. And so why, So they were trying to get rid of it, do you say? Yeah, they were trying to get rid of the, the, basically the talking parts because whoever wrote the talking parts was terrible. Right, okay, right. Wasn't uh, recommended then. Uh, the Fantastic Four movie with Michael Chiklis. Well, that was also a terrible movie, wasn't uh, it? I don't think it was terrible. I was like, yeah, well, it wasn't great. At the time, like, it wasn't, they didn't comic book films kind of the way that they should have. I was like, yeah, sorry. Well, these, these were just producing credits. Um, he also produced The Night at the Museum and Pixels. Oh. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen that, but it does make sense because he seems to be a director of focus group movies. Oh, uh, yeah. And that yeah. seems like the ultimate focus group movie. Uh, but Home Alone is only his third movie. Oh. So that's pretty... He, he knocked it out of the park with this one. Yeah, like that's how you make yourself a name, isn't it? Well, he, he's... Th- there is a talent to be in a crowd pleaser, like, um, to know yeah. what audiences want and then delivering it to them. And, uh, like I said, he, he, hits, he hit the side of the park in his third movie. He did get a lot of the choices right when he did Harry Potter. He did. And uh, yeah, so like he's, he's a big he's a big deal and he's probably very well off. But yeah. I don't know if he, well, Harry uh, Potter is very popular film, like. It, it is. Yeah, I'd say it's it was one of the franchises upon. in history. Like. Yeah, I would say it was built upon once he left as a director because like Quran and all came in and directed. Yeah, so the, ones, but uh, it was always they all his stuff went in, so they were able to build upon his first thing. So it was good. Well, he he he. He found out like, the, the other kids like Hermione and all those. Yeah, he, got every, he had everything sorted and then yeah. anybody else could just come in and like, try to make, improve like, the idea that he had. Yeah. Thanks very much, James, for that. Yeah, James, so what do you think of this movie? Are you ready? What are you going to say here? No. Well, so the, the, the politics of this today, as you say... <laughs> oh, yeah, let's, just... let's delve into the politics <laughs> of this movie. We haven't talked about politics enough this weekend. I know, I know. Uh, I don't know. Is it, is it a bit of a damp, Is it a bit of a dampener on people's mood when you're watching Home Alone to, to bring up the fact that these this little rich kid is just an absolute you know psychopath and a sadist <laughs> to these poor robbers? <laughs> well, you <laughs> know, actually, trying to make their way in the world, they're enterprising enough to put this plan in place for like three months, 
and then just have the one where he hiccup was that there was a kid in the house who just happened to be a freaking torture uh, specialist like <laughs> and also when they get caught they rat it out it tells us they rat it out all the rest of the guys that are around the whole area so they're obviously all in prison as soon as these guys get in prison oh, they're yeah. getting they're either getting killed or getting passed around that sure right? <laughs> 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 this was our family friendly episode <laughs> <laughs> Well, so there's that element of it. There's the whole, that's my house, I have to defend it. Sort of, that's a very, you know, American idea uh, of the sort of... And actually he's defending it with a gun. With a gun, exactly. Yeah, with a, with a sort of mini rifle. But, yeah. like, you know, people might think that's cute. But? Getting shot in the balls isn't cute, weren't <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, like, you know, this, this is the American idea. They're setting up a booby trap so that somebody gets their scalp burned off with a blowtorch. <laughs> Isn't fucking cute, like, you know? <laughs> but it's funny. It is funny, and it's a cartoon anyway. Uh, <laughs> but there's that, and then there's also he, he seems to be very neoliberal in that he doesn't like agents of government. Um, and I know we, we yesterday we were totally against the agents of the state, uh, but he makes all the, the civil servants look like absolute, you know, useless boobs. Like, uh, like all the cops are just, yeah. Well, I rose too. Two, we got the sucker in line too. And I don't know. Uh, just the tiny little uh, tiny little things. And all those movies seem to have this sort of element where it normalizes sort of individualism and you know, protecting your home and this these sort of very American sort of ideas. So do you think he'd be a defender of the Second Amendment? I would I would say so actually, yeah. Because he's named after the great destroyer. Who's it? Chris Columbus. Columbus. Oh, Chris. Oh, no, I'm talking about John Hughes, sorry. Yeah. Oh, it's right, sorry. John Hughes' movies. Uh, so I would say he'd be, potentially be a, uh, a defender, but he won't anymore because he has passed uh, about five or six years ago. Did he get shot in the balls? Is that how he died? Uh, he got hit in the head with a hot iron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> first, first something bit all his fingers off one by one. <laughs> Any more to say about the movie? Uh, but, well, it was, it was brilliantly funny. Uh, it was really enjoyable. It is a sort of staple of, uh, of you know, Christmas viewing. Uh, it's, it is a really good script. There's a few tiny wee, like, holes in it, but most of it, it's like, it's like, you know, threatened, tightened. There is a few wee scenes, for example, they go off a wee bit and don't really have a reason to be there. For example, when Kevin goes to the Santa Claus and he says something like, I know you're not the real Santa Claus, but I also know you work for him. Uh, and then the scene didn't really go anywhere and the Santa didn't really do anything to, you know, sort of justify his reason in the script. Uh, apart from really, as you, as you mentioned, that it's just to show he's, he's feeling lonely now. Yeah, he started missing. missing his family. Whereas before he was like, my family disappeared. Yeah. yeah he's so excited yeah. about it. Yeah. But it was really funny and it was really enjoyable. Yeah, so, William, what did you think of this movie? Yeah, it was really good. Um, Macaulay Culkin, I very charismatic, no wonder he was famous like. Now, in real life, I think this kid would get bullied mercilessly. <laughs> For there's scenes in the film, I've never seen a kid want to put a coat and hat and mittens on to go out before in my life. If I saw a kid like that, I'd bully myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was brilliant. I said, Harry and Marv were brilliant in it. I think yeah. they're the best. they're by far the best thing in it. And the reactions to all everything that happens to him is just so funny. <laughs> and then especially, I, I don't know what, Joe Pesci's brilliant. His character's more rounded, you know? Because you can see in him, he's uh, like he's more of a pro and everything. The fact Marv 
the wet bandits. Yeah. Imagine robbing somebody's house of all their stuff, and then you're like, it's not enough for you that you plug up their water and run it and flood their house for them. <laughs> just, just, just to kick them when they're down. But they're not down, Mac. They're not down. They're living in these big fancy houses, and they have to go around these poor enterprising, okay plumbing people. Touche, Marty. Touche. But like part of part of the plan, like the plan that he was to dress up as a sort of placement secure. Well. It was actually pleased, so I was yeah, checking was to see if it was security or it was because I was when I saw it at the start I was checking to see if the jacket was the same the other jackets were the same as the wise later on were wearing it was. So we actually did in person with a police officer. Yeah. See, that takes planning like. Uh, and he went door to door scouting out all the houses until he finally he found or sixty one six four one Lincoln Avenue. Six four one Lincoln Avenue. Yeah, so that was good and uh, he also got all the timings of the automatic lights and all sorted. Uh, I think the first night he was on the very first night he was actually going to rob the big house. They got they got it spooked. Still robbed another few houses like, but uh, what need be? I was right when he said about Beethoven and all. It is really like one of these big from back in the day nineteen nineties in the cinema like a big American film as mm-hmm. in culturally American. It is like a very yeah. culturally American this kind of film. This like sub or uh, suburban life. Big massive houses. This is what people. Magic America is. Uh, yeah. Christmas time jumpers also like uh, also warm and all and all this here. It's not like people running down the street in South Central A L A getting shot shot and drive by shootings and stuff yeah. like this. You know, there's no crips in here. Saying that, I'd say that Kevin McAllister could uh, do a good job of starting <laughs> up on there. But this is shoplifter, really. Yeah, yeah, but this is the problem here. What I think about this is like so. In these sort of suburban areas, you need a car to get anywhere. How many miles did he have to walk to a shop? He did seem to be walking four inches to get to that shop. Like, I remember we were flying into Atlanta one time, and uh, if you're, you look out, and for miles and miles, it's just these wee neighborhoods, which I never sort of pictured from above, you know, you're familiar with them in American movies. Uh, but, you know, to get from the front door just to get to the highway would have taken you maybe. 10 minutes, 15 minutes driving. Then the highway is probably another hour yeah. into the city where you're going. And then the city, you have to do the city traffic and everything. And I was like, this is what people do every day as yeah. their morning commute. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. it's funny you say that because to do that, they would have had to get up at five o'clock in the morning. And for some reason, these people lie in till about 10 past eight. Because uh, yeah, exactly. it, it was eight o'clock, it was sharp yeah. when the people come to collect them and they were still in bed. I, I don't believe that. <laughs> I didn't wake up till like half ten. I didn't wake up to half ten. Yeah. But I do think that this definitely shows the suburban American how they portray their Def- country yeah. across the world and this is how this is how amazing our country is. Yeah. You know? Because I genuinely used to think that all American houses were like this size and this was just well, the way in America people lived. It, it was effective and as you say, because the way you mentioned that there that it seemed like the big American movie you go to see. I remember them when we were kids, maybe two or three a year, and now of course it's every week. All the time, yeah. It's like just another bombastic big American movie. Yeah, and it's funny, obviously we're the Irish film podcast, you see like the 1990 film here, like this, you see our film, we've got, well, we got like stuff like The Crying Game, yeah. Grimey, people rolling around <laughs> the streets getting shot and all that kind of thing, it's like, yeah. Yeah. The Butcher Boy. <laughs> butcher boy. <laughs> it's like, what's the difference in, now to be fair, who would win the fight? Kevin McAllister or the Butcher Boy? The I think Francie Brady would definitely take him <laughs> on and win. <laughs> I would die with that. He's got the reach like and he's got the, he's got the, he's got the uh, meat cleaver. He's got the meat cleaver. 
So Kevin McAllister had to grow up in Clunas in the 50s when he turned into the Butcher Boy? Or do you reckon he's going to turn into somebody like Patrick uh, Bateman from American Psycho? <laughs> I think he already is American Psycho. Exactly. Uh, he yeah. does talk to himself quite a bit. I actually... That's true. He does, does the presenting and the murder and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, classic serial killer. <laughs> I used to do that. That's a, that's a classic set of stuff too. I do it all the time. <laughs> I did actually like, I think what was really well written was his dialogue at the start. You know when he was, they were meant to be like bad and they put him up to the room? Yeah. It's some great lines. Like, <laughs> even as like, you're a disease. Shut up, jerk. Then his mother, uh, was it? Uh, I hope you disappear. Oh, you'd be really sad tomorrow morning if he, well, if he had no family. When, why don't you say it again? It might make a tree. And he goes, I wish you'd disappear. <laughs> I wish all you jerks would just disappear. I don't know. Just see your heart breaking. It's like, no. No, <laughs> 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 oh, no what was it when um, she was on the telephone? Oh, I, on the telephone. It's like, because uh, he kept asking her questions. He goes, oh, Kevin, on the phone. Kevin, on the phone. He jumps on the back. He goes, oh, Kevin, get off that. Why don't you get off the phone and make me? He has a weak jerk leg. They're absent parents, obviously. They weren't giving their children attention because they took so many kids in that house. They were, they were too busy making children to look after the children that they had. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, we're watching here in the scene at the minute. It's the pizza man coming delivered. I think about that all the time. Also, about getting the pizza? About getting the, uh, well, <laughs> I do like getting the pizza, but the, fil- the, the film within a film is probably the most famous of all time, too. Yeah. Is it the uh, angels with dirty faces? Angels with filthy souls. With filthy souls. Angels uh, with dirty faces is an actual as I, that's film. Cool. It's also a Shuga Babes album, if I'm not mistaken. It's so famous, like, yes, he said 10%. Get your no good yellow keister <laughs> off my property where I pump your guts full of that. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, ten. That's <laughs> <laughs> the way it laughs. <laughs> Keep the change, you filthy animal. Is that line one of the most famous lines of cinema, would you say? Keep the change, you filthy yeah, animal. Yeah, it has become iconic almost on its own. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You get Christmas jumpers with that on it, you. Yeah. Happy Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Yeah. See, everyone, well, I certainly assumed that was a real movie, and I think a lot of people did, yeah. because I, I, to give Chris Columbus's credit, like, it is done so perfectly, like, it does look like a, a film you would expect to see from the 1940s or something. But it's so, it's just like how maniac, he just seems like a maniac. The way he laughs when he's shooting the guy with a Tommy gun. Who plays him? Who plays him? Um, I didn't, I didn't go that far into it. He, he was yeah. too busy trying to find Macaulay Culkin's home address that he didn't get time to cover the extras on the. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm pretty sure that would be on the court documents. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to say uh, when I was looking up that and things. Did you know Macaulay Culkin is godfather to Michael Jackson's first child? I did not know that. You did know it? Well, I didn't know it. Was that, who's the first child? Blanket? That's his third child. That's his third child. Prince. Prince, is it? Yeah. I did not know that, so there you go. That's what he testified for. Yeah. <laughs> we watched it say, like, the mother, uh, Kate McAllister, trying to get back. It really dominates the fact that any time they go somewhere, they want to be served first. I know she's frantic and everything, trying to get back. Yeah. But it's, isn't that very, like, subversive to against America? Because they think they're the most important people about all the time. As in, like, well... Uh, that's whatever they want. They're just being rude about that, it, pushing their way to the front. And you think the film's uh, criticism for them? I do. If we, okay, uh, yeah. I think, I think uh, uh, they don't really say it in the film, but just the way they, she takes the phone off the person, 
when the person's on a call on the phone. But she never she never deals with consequences for that at all. Like, no, there's no consequences. Like everyone just waits head. their turn, even though she's just you know took a phone off her. Like the, the the French woman just walks away. People in America are probably watching that thinking there's nothing wrong with that. Probably yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's just, yeah. See, I don't know. I think it's. But like, as you say, she was in a state of frantic panic, so yeah, you can understand uh, it. But I I think so. But then I think her character too is a bit harsh, isn't it? I know she's in panic, but. The best character in it, the kindest character in it, is probably is either the Marley fella, which is to be fair, he would be creepy if you're a kid. Yeah. Imagine something what come walking over to you, staring over you, not even saying a word. With a stigmata. With stigmata. <laughs> just staring at you, glare, not even blinking. You say hello to a kid, like yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Uh, but uh, John Candy's character, he's obviously really, really nice in it. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, do you want to come with us and all this kind of thing? So. I think he kind of mixed up with the fact that there's still nice people about. I think he was trying. Uh, John Hughes was trying to present that you know people will always put a hand in whenever rich from white families in trouble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, uh, when, no, whenever uh, the old couple, the old couple was like they just heard she how desperate she was, uh, and it's like, oh, all right then. You yeah. know that was it. That was the entire. I don't care what Anna says. I'm not giving up my seat in the plane for anyone. Well, Marty, can you tell us? Do you have any stories about stop trying to give up a seat in the plane to anybody? Yes, that is true. Actually, so I was on a Ryanair flight. Travel logs and Marty, let's settle. Yeah, travel logs and Marty, take two. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I do have a story actually. So I was getting on a Ryanair flight and I walked up and there was this window seat and um, I had the window seat and the man was sitting in my window seat. So I said to him, I was like, sorry, that's my seat. And he was like, that's your seat there in the middle. And I was like, no, I'm like F, so I'm the window seat. He said, why, why can't you sit there? And I was like, why don't you sit there? Yeah. I was like, well, I'm not sitting there because I'm sitting there because that's my seat because I had to pay for that seat. I didn't really pay for the seat. I've got a life hack to get the window seat all the time, nice. which I'm not going to share on this podcast. <laughs> keep, keep it real. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, so that was all right. And I wouldn't sit down, am I? And then the stewardess came over. He called the stewardess and the stewardess said to me, oh, why don't you sit in the middle seat? And I was like, no, I'll tell you right now. I want to sit in the seat. What about if the IRA bombed this plane right now, or Al-Qaeda bombed this plane right now, the plane went down, and I die, right? But my remains are supposed to be in my seat, so my family gets his remains. And she was like, he's actually right, move your move seats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Marty Mar- Devine, uh, insurance, uh, <laughs> So she made him move seats and he started talking at me and he started encroaching on my arm space and leg space so I just kicked him. I was like, <laughs> I was like why is up with you? I was like, stop being a petulant child. If you wanted this seat, pay for the seat. Now just shut up, okay? Let me sit and let me enjoy my thing of magnet here. Yeah. And my view over the yes. Exactly. <laughs> and then I had a night, had a couple of wee balls of Prosecco just to piss him off. I was like, oh, can I have the ham and cheese toasty please and I uh, everything crosses two, two bottles of Prosecco yeah we used a bit of ice on that I love my wee trip there uh, see, see when you were trying to defend your area Marty did you put the Christmas decorations <laughs> <laughs> I didn't I didn't but I have to say I really enjoyed this movie um, I, have I got anything else to say apart from I really enjoyed this movie well, who, well, I'm not very your, eloquent who was your favourite character or what what did you think of the music and stuff like that? I loved the music. The music was very emotive, I thought. 
I really actually like the the drum machine beat that's going underneath the actual choral music. I thought it actually worked really, really well. The acting was good in it, apart from Macaulay McCulkin. I don't think he was very good at all. Um, there was bits where he was trying to do dialogue and they were trying to make him sound precocious, but he didn't quite pull it off. Uh, but there were one of the other bits where he was just brilliant at, for example, like just sneaking around the kitchen trying to uh, set fireworks in a pot. It's quite difficult to ask a child to do that. Yeah. Uh, and he was able to do that quite well. And But I thought these bits were all really good. Like the bit here where he's putting the fireworks in the pot, I thought that was really good. It's just that every time I spoke, I'm just like, nah. I don't see it. I don't see how you've got to be A in this movie. I think it was just like the time, that's what people expected from like child actors and stuff on TV and films and stuff, you know. It's not like now, where like some children are so good at acting, they're like far better than any adults you see in Oscars and kicking up Oscars and they're really good like. Like that wee kid in that room film and stuff like that there, you know. Stuff like that. And the Stranger Kids, Stranger Things yeah. Kids. Yeah. yeah, it was just different back in the day, you know, it was more like that whole theatre, Shirley Temple, and they kind of had like, take time to get out of that kind of thing. Like this here, but, mm, where his mouth and keep the change, you felt the animal, I'm like, mm. yeah. and every time he actually talks, like, yes, 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 yes. Well, see, I thought those wee bits were good, those, those wee bits were just... Yeah. Being a psychopath? Mm? Yeah, 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 a psychopath. Yeah. 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 These guys give up, or you thirsty for more. That really? wasn't in the script, so that was well done. That was a good yeah. thing. Yeah, that showed statism really going through. <laughs> <laughs> so, of all of the booby traps, which one do you think would be the most painful? <laughs> the door handle, I would say, for the rest of your life, that burning sensation on your head handle at end. But then again, getting getting your head blown off a or blown apart by a fucking. <laughs> Low tires. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, having, uh, see, I, I, when I was a kid, I used to think paint cans wouldn't hurt that much, would they? I don't know what they would, would they? I don't like they're empty paint cans. But were they full? I think they were meant to be full, were they? Mm, okay. Uh, and the iron, like, we have this idea about iron being really heavy, but they're not actually that heavy in real life, are they? But it was coming from a big height. It was. Like. It, 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 it was quite a lot of uh, kinetic energy. And obviously it was hot because his face was so red. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's what things with the iron was hot, and yes, that probably wouldn't be yeah. up there. But having a blowtorch actually melt your own, <laughs> your own hat onto your scalp <laughs> probably is up there. One of the most painful things I've ever seen on a screen. You know, I don't know. I think when it actually goes up the stairs with the tar and then it gets his feet stuck and everything, and the then meal? he just puts his foot through the nail. <laughs> It shows too that he's an idiot though because he, that happens to him and the next thing he does when he has bare feet goes in through the window he doesn't even look down the scene that he's <laughs> and he stamps as hard as he can onto the glass <laughs> like, I would not like to have filmed that well imagine they're brought into custody right <laughs> into the police station the, the, the police are then uh, you know they have a duty of care to provide medical attention <laughs> so it wasn't them explaining to a you know medical doctor <laughs> Uh, yeah, so then I stood on a nail while there was tar uh, in the open wound. Uh, yeah, I opened the door and the blowtorch burned my scalp into my head. and uh, the, All that, all them rope burns are from uh, when the rope cut and I had to smash into a wall or I said... Uh, <laughs> I'd say the time he gets like hit with a... Marv hits Harry himself with a fucking crowbar oh, yeah. on the chest trying to kill the spider. What are you doing, Marv? 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 
hey, six Dad. broken ribs later. Like. <laughs> uh, getting your losing your tooth too. You gold tooth, right? They lost the gold tooth, but it was fine at the end, wasn't it? Yeah. But if you were these criminals and you'd be in jail, say for say fifteen years, what? you'd be getting out with time and good behaviour. Well, I don't know what's it like in America because like they weren't getting done for trying to murder a kid. <laughs> it was well, only just robbery. The, the list of charges would the charge sheet be quite long, like because there's number one all the robberies they can tie them to now. Yeah. Uh, so there's probably at least five. So each of them would carry consecutive sentences. And there was, you know, the impersonated police officer. There was all you know attempted assault of a child, as you say. But I don't think that, I don't think that that there was into charges. Like that's why they went to the other house. Though I don't think they were going to going to explain. Because it would have been bad for them to explain that they were uh, trying to get a, it was a kid doing it, because then the charge would be more for them. So I don't think that factored in. That's why there's no comeback in Kevin, you know? But if you were them and you got out of prison early, it's the first thing you would not do is go to heaven and fucking kill him. Like. <laughs> well, I don't really think that they actually really wanted to. It was actually at the end up that Harry wanted to go in the house because he just wanted the house. Marv didn't really want to even go into the house with a the kid there. Yeah. Which is funny, it was more of a turnaround than what you thought that would have been, because obviously Marv was more of a dick in it, than a professional. But uh, I don't. I think at the end up they wouldn't, I don't, he, I, I don't even think he was going to bite his fingers off anyway, like he was just scaring him, even at the end part. Like. I don't think he was going to bite his fingers off. No, I don't think Maybe so. Maybe not bite them off, but certainly apply quite a lot of pressure. <laughs> I, I don't even think he was, I think he was just going to like, maybe put a wee bit of pressure on to scare him and not do it, you know? I just don't think you would... Uh, I just well, what I find it not realistic is when he was about to bite his fingers off, why did Macaulay Culkin not piss himself? Because you think he would. You know? But maybe he did, because it was wet, and his trousers were ready. Right. Yeah. Your boy had picked him when he was like had his finger in his mouth and had him over the head with a snow shovel. Oh, I think he take his finger off. <laughs> That's some Shawshank reaction shit there. The old man goes, let's get you home. Knowing the fact that he's living at the house himself. Yeah. Uh, maybe he helped tidy up them. Maybe he did. Yeah. Uh, With a show snubble. And then Kevin made him for his son. Kevin McAllister. What a man. What a man. Therapist. But we need to really ask, is Home Alone in the raw? His girl, the tactics would suggest that he has some kind of training. Yeah, some sort of collective memory. The <laughs> dude, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's set in Chicago. McAllister, in America, would be considered an Irish name. Or possibly Scottish, I don't know if people would make that much of a distinction. Yeah. And there's Murphy's Love across the road, but there's no other mention of them being Irish American at all. Like, there's no yeah. other, there's nothing to sort of tie them to Ireland or anything. They're just Americans, like, so probably not in Iraq. No, so he's saying yeah. not in Iraq. Though he can ha- he, he's a good shot, eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He is. He's <laughs> almost as good a shot as uh, Jonathan Reese Myers was when he shot Michael Collins. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Kevin McAllister killed Michael Collins. Oh. Nice conspiracy yeah. theory here. Where was Eamon De Valera during the Home Alone events? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what about the iron sweater meter? There was many iron sweaters. Every time you see the Kate McAllister and Muller, Kevin McAllister, they both wear the same outfits. They both wear a white, a white, either iron sweater or iron uh, cardigan. Whatever, both times. Shots. Yeah, yeah. You see them both times. Yeah. And, well, uh, well, yeah, he wears he wears iron sweaters. Yeah, he's a kid and he's cold as well. So it does have to go in the iron sweater meter then. It does yeah. have to go in the iron yeah. sweater meter. It, it's it's very twee America like. Even the shop that he goes to buy the toothbrush in, 
it looks like something that you would get in a Christmas market, like. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of think. Like, but the shop looks crap, you know. <laughs> it's like it's just a little mom and pop store. Yeah, yeah but you know, you know, kind of like you know, Grand Connecticut look or something, you know. The yeah. Film, yeah. But you know, when you go away on holidays and then you're like, well, I must go and see what the shops are like, and you think, oh, these shops are a bit crap. You like, say, there's... you say, must go see what the local pubs are like. Well, I do like going to the pub now. I have to say. <laughs> My first port of call when I land on there is to go and have a drink. Yeah, exactly. You know, but I do like going and having a nosy at the supermarket because I like to see what you can buy in a supermarket. And I like to see the price of alcohol in supermarkets. Now, do you mean just popping into Mace or Dunn's or something? Yeah. See, they're going to be all relatively similar. Well, now that the Mace's are... don't generally tend to be, but yeah, the, like the bigger ones would be pretty much cookie cutter, I would say. No, but I'm talking about going yeah, uh, when you're in different countries. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. So, like, I, I like going into a Natto now myself. Natto's good. Or Bella. Have you been to Bella? Bella, yeah. I've been to Bella. Bella's nice. Um, just to see what they're selling there. Yeah. It's always nice to see what the... Yeah, it is really weird seeing all, all the same products but completely different packaging. Just their bread is shaped funny. They don't have a bread standard. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get into the bread standard today. Um, have we any final thoughts on Home Alone? Should we do our snakes well, on the staff? What did he say about the iron sweater? What number did you, what did you say? Well, I don't think it's numbers, but it's the 9.0 in the iron sweater. Yeah, just on us. On yeah. the, on just, wait, it's on the, it's on the, it's on the iron. The, the, the little, uh, it's on an iron bag or iron more. The little instrument with two ears and the LEDs going from red to green. Every time it, it senses an iron sweater, <laughs> it just, it beeps. So how many snakes on a staff are we going to give this movie? Why am I going to go to you first? Well, I rate the snakes on a staff compared to our usual ones, or just in general, to nostalgia films. Should we have a different meter for the foreign films? Yeah, maybe, yeah. How many spuds in a sack? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, because spuds are an imported American thing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. There you go. Perfect. Right, so in a... In a change to your regular programming, the snakes on the staff is unavailable for foreign movies. <laughs> <laughs> to compensate for this, we're going to be using our new scale, spuds in a sack. So, William, how many spuds in a sack are you giving this film? I will give this film The Working Man two pounds of spuds in a sack a day. Was that two spuds in a sack? That's two pounds. It's two sacks, right? What is that? Yeah, he, it's out of ten, like. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's what research something he, he fucking brings you a full biography, <laughs> right down to their freaking whoever nursed him as a child. <laughs> okay, so spuds in a sack. I will give this film nine spuds in a sack. Nine spuds in a sack. I could have gave it ten, you know, but I got nine spuds in a sack. It is like a perfect film, isn't it? Like Tom Alone. Yeah. It's not quite perfect, but yeah. It's not quite perfect. That's why I give it nine out of ten. <laughs> nine, nine, nine spuds. Spuds, eyes hanging out of it in a sack. <laughs> um, yeah, so James, what about you? How many spuds in a stack would you give this film? Uh, I wouldn't go quite as high as nine, but I do agree that it is a classic movie. Being a classic seasonal movie, whatever the season may be, does give it a wee bit of an advantage in that it adds longevity to it that... Uh, um, other movies don't get like, but uh, it is one of the big hitters of Christmas movies. Uh, I think I'll give it eight s- spuds in a sack. Eight spuds in a sack. Yeah. Very good. Very good. 
is we're making chaps tonight. Um, Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I would say... Mm, I got some problems with the movie. Like, I enjoy watching it, but it's more... I don't really like Macaulay Culkin. You know, I don't like him in the in the role. I just don't think. Have you always felt like that? Yeah. Even as when you watched first as child. But you know, I can sit and watch it now, and I can laugh at some parts. But I'm only laughing at the parts. Like the pacing of the movie, I thought was. "Mm." Don't think it was good until the actual just end of the movie where they're in the house for that last fifteen minutes, where it was just laugh after laugh after laugh after laugh. Where really before that there was no laughs. I didn't find it. Funny before that. Oh, there's there was a good like when he was on the sled going down the stairs. Yeah. But that's that's also an iconic scene, isn't it? You know. Yeah. From the movie, but I still don't think it was funny. You know, I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh until the robbers started breaking into the house, and then I thought, yeah, this is really good. Um, I think it is because it's one of these seminal Christmas movies that people like it a lot more just because oh, it's a good Christmas movie, not yeah. the fact that it's a good movie. Yeah. So for them reasons, I am gonna give this movie. Seven spuds in a sack. What are your way to Um, I'd still think Francie Brady could take him out. No, Francie Brady probably wouldn't like him either because he's from the sur- suburb, or as they call him a bog man. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks everybody for listening to the Nullug Nostalgia. Any Christmas songs to play us out there? Now you mention it. The songs in this that I never, I didn't know apart from this movie. Some of them are some of my favorite Christmas songs, like like uh, "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree" and uh, "Carol and the Bells" and whatnot. So maybe yeah. "Carol and the Bells" always works. Yeah, that's good. Is that the? Thanks for that rendition there. And yeah, thanks for listening to the show. And um, this is Chatting Pictures, the Irish film review, sponsored by Hang Sandwich. Funny, funny Irish t-shirts. Quality apparel, fast delivery. Get yours now at Hang Sandwich, H-A-N-G, sandwich.com.